sitting in section 312. Bringing color to our podcast is our great sponsor, Suazo Painting. They have been painting the Chicagoland area for the past 20 to 25 years. They do interior, exterior, staining decks, removing wallpaper, power washing houses. Free estimates are available if you contact Raul Suazo at 630-272-2096 or send him an email at suazopainting at iCloud.com. You know, sometimes we have doubleheaders and sometimes doubleheaders can be two wins sometimes they could be two losses or sometimes they're a split decision in today's section we have a split decision sitting in section 312 this week we have the number two recruit in chicago for basketball dejuan gordon i hope i pronounced that right we also have the producer from the lawrence holmes show on 670 the score tony gill by now Matt's crying tears of joy because we have the Blues and the St. Louis Blues have won the Stanley Cup. We talk KD in the NBA Finals, our Cubs and White Sox weekly recap, and an all-new starting five of things that we kind of missed from the 2000s or should maybe be brought back from the 2000s. I don't know. You'll decide. Trends we wish never died. Yeah, we wish never died from the 2000s, but... Man, I need a drink. Lord Stanley's Cup. The Blues and the Bruins for the ship. Game seven. The bet on the line with our IT guy, Matt. If the Bruins won, he was going to go outside of the stadium in a Blackhawks jersey and take a picture and make it his profile picture for three months and then buy himself tickets to the season opener of the Blues game and wear the Blackhawks jersey to the Blues game and send us a picture. And if the Blues won, we got to buy him fucking tickets now to the season opener to go get the fucking banner raised. We're sending (laughs) that to the promised land for his St. Louis Blues. We're going to make him, for everybody out there, take some videos, show off a little bit, at least give uh, our listeners a little taste of the experience. It was, dude, this was just... Uh, this was a, not a, kind of a stinker of a game seven, if we're being honest. And yes, we were on the Boston side, but it, it was just not. It was start to finish all blues. Bennington's a beast. I texted you earlier in the week, and I told you I think we're going to see a legendary game, and we're going to be buying that tickets. And you said, I don't know, man. I don't know. And he was an absolute wall back there tonight. You know why, though? Because I just found this out recently as I was listening to the broadcast. Because he has like a .9 win percentage, like a 90% win percentage when he loses a game. Jordan Bennington was a member of the Chicago Wolves. I, I, I did hear that. I caught that. Yeah. Pride and joy of the Chicago Wolves. I mean, Bennington outplayed... Rask completely. Everyone was on the Rask bandwagon all like the last couple of days saying that Rask was better and all the dumb Boston fans were screaming in your ear about how Rask was better and the Bruins had this. Jordan Biddington had, I think, 33 shots, one goal allowed, and that was in the last two minutes. He was just unstoppable out there, man. Stood on his head. What yeah. can you do? The kid was legendary tonight, and he's a good goalie, man. He really is. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's promising. Goalies are head cases, so hopefully for him the success continues. You like to see guys like that, you know, um, just like the Hawks keeper a couple years ago, 
Oh God, what was his name? God, I can't think of it. Oh, Scott Darling. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Sorry, Scott. He's a pride and joy of uh, Lamont, Illinois. Yes, Scott Darling. But yeah, man, Matt's getting treated. Honestly. I was worried for the kid a little bit with his recent health scare that it was going to push him over the edge if this game was close, but you know what? We didn't even have to get to that. So, <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. Hockey's over. We're, we're slowly losing sports. We're about to enter the dog days of summer, and I, I don't know how I feel about that, man. I, I woke up a little scared this morning. I'm not going to lie. I had some underlying anxiety knowing that one more sport was gone. What's up, Quint? Why are you looking like uh, you're just dying over there? Because I don't want basketball to leave just yet. I want to have another game Sunday to watch. But I know Kawhi is just going to go full out claw and just beat the shit out of the Oracle Arena. Oh, yes. I would definitely take Raptors with the spread. I mean, it's about to be. uh, Yeah, we're going to be losing all week. I think this is going to be a rough week for the Section 312 boys, man. Also, a rough week for Kevin Durant. Can't talk about what happened without mentioning KD first. 11 points in 12 minutes, and then pop goes Kevin Durant's Achilles. I think it was always the Achilles, okay? I don't think maybe he tore it right away. Maybe he just partially, you know, strained the Achilles or something like that because he never once grabbed his calf ever. It was always that lower ankle. And Kevin Durant doesn't really have calves to begin with. If you look at his legs, it looks like just a like a stick. There's no outlining where the calf starts or where it ends. Yeah, well, I mean, you have a lower part of the calf, though, and that can get strained. And when you're straining that area, you are putting stress on the Achilles by rushing it back. And you do wind up putting a little bit more of that load bearing when you're running on the Achilles. I don't know. I was calling it from the start, but the sad thing is once it happened, I was all over Twitter trying to almost like I wanted to speak into existence that it wasn't the Achilles because, I mean, you just hate to see that regardless of what happened. It looks like he obviously pushed himself back. And part of that might be, you know, public perception and wanting to show that he was in it and you know it wasn't all about him just trying to stay healthy for next year and go on a money grab and it's just it sucks right it's it's super shitty and i agree with you on the point that it might have been something that was underlying all along because i mean i think you saw the warriors gm's press conference right you saw him kind of oddly break down into tears the GM being guilty, I feel, is a sign of, like, looking guilty. And he looked, that dude looked guilty as hell. Like, he looked like he, he was feeling something. But how much I think they knew is where kind of the gray area is. How does this affect Kevin Durant in the offseason is what it really comes down to. So uh, I'm going to try and keep this short and sweet. But I'm going to go on a little, little uh, uh, monologue here is what I'll call it. Kevin Durant is we all know a very sensitive person, a great basketball player, sensitive dude, always in the gyms. And they were always in the comments, always looking on social media. And I want to hear your opinions on what I'm about to say here, but Kevin Durant, in my opinion, could be about to enter a very dark place. Similar to when you go through these rough things in life, you know, you you lose your job, you have a bad breakup, a family member dies. It's an unavoidable 
dark place. He felt dejected. He felt like he was always the second string, the second option on that team. He felt like he was never fully appreciated. He forced himself out there, and he could have potentially fucked up the next two years of his NBA career. I think that Kevin Durant needs, to some degree, people to be on his back, or people to have his back right now, and the people close to him to keep him close and kind of keep him level-headed throughout all this, because that sucks, man. Like, you know, you, you just feel terrible for the guy and what happened, and you know that he rushed it out there to try and, you know, I don't know if it was to prove something to his fans but, or to prove something to his teammates, but to show people that he was committed and this was never kind of him just dragging out an injury that he could have come back from a couple weeks ago. This offseason, I think Kevin sits in his boot. He rehabs and he probably should, in my opinion, stay with Golden State for another year while he rehabs it, maybe play a couple games at the end of next year and then reassess what he wants to do. That's just my opinion. Yeah, because I believe that he his options like $31 million for next year. Yeah, and, and you know that a, a New York Knicks medical staff, while they're obviously are going to have his best interests in mind, there's always going to be an underlying feeling that they're tr- going to push him out there to play sooner than he'd probably be ready. Whereas I feel like the Warriors, the people he's been around, the people he knows, the training staff he knows, will do everything they can to slowly ease him back into this and kind of rehab this in the necessary amount of time where he can get back to the strength he was at or as close as he or as close as uh, they can to what he was before the injury. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that he there is no other option here, but him just taking the thirty one million dollars. I mean, because it's thirty one million dollars. I mean, it's we say it like it's nothing, but that's a lot of fucking money. Thirty one million dollars. So, Kevin, you need to take that $31 million and then get healthy, get right, don't force yourself, and then figure out where the league's looking like next year in the offseason. Wait, all-time Instagram post by KD today, though, with him in the surgery bed, ended with surgery went fine, easy money at the end of it, just mean mugging the camera. I was like, all right, Kevin, I see you. Yeah, he looked pissed. Um, <laughs> he looked really pissed. <laughs> but... Uh, Raptor, are we in agreement the Raptors are... We don't want it to happen, but the Raptors are going to close this thing out tomorrow. The only circumstance that I see where uh, Golden State pulls off another win is... Clay AD needs to drop 25. Yes. Uh, Boogie actually isn't looking like a senior citizen slash uh, fat man at a pickup game. Dude, he looks oh. bad. He looks terrible out there. And he has the Achilles too, which is... Like, or he had an Achilles too, which is kind of alarming for the whole Kevin Durant thing. But, you know, KD is a smaller body at least, or at least like a skinnier body. So there's not as much stress on it. But the only way I can see Golden State winning is um, purely off an early massive scoring spree based on the hype of Oracle or it being the last game at Oracle. That's that's all I got is I, I think kind of, you know, is the fans are up and it lifts the players along with it. Yeah, I completely agree. But let's uh let's kind of, you know, stay with the NBA because it's not gone yet. There's still even when the game finishes tomorrow, there's a lot going to be talked about. The draft is coming up, the off season's coming up, and the AD carousel is going round and round and round. What have you been hearing? Yeah. So, I mean, it looks like it's um the Knicks are gone. It looks like David Griffin well, A, R.J. Barrett has already come out and said he wants to play for the Knicks, and I think the Knicks got rock hard when they heard that. 
So I think the Knicks are going to sit pat or stand pat with their number three pick. And it looks like uh, hearing kind of rumors of the Boston, L.A. kind of being able to package up maybe a three-way deal. I want you to talk about that really quick because you texted me. You know, as I thought about it, you texted me a deal with the Bulls involving the Lakers, the Bulls, and the Pelicans in a three-way trade. And I, w- I, wanna, I want you to go through it really quick. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls came out and said everybody is available for, for trade. You know, it, in our minds, we're, that means everyone except Lowry Markkinen because he's the future. But I think if the Bulls offer somebody like Zach Levine or Chris Dunn with Otto Porter Jr. in the seventh pick, even Wendell Carter, if you want to switch him out there instead of Chris Dunn, you know, We'll send that over to the Pelicans. The Pelicans send Anthony Davis over to Los the Angeles. Lakers, and we get Lonzo in the fourth pick. I'm okay with giving up Dunn, Porter, and the seventh to New Orleans. I think Levine, Porter, and the seventh is too much to get Lonzo back. I think you have to keep the pick if you get rid of Levine and Porter. But I think if you give up Dunn and maybe package in a role player over to the Lakers or something, I mean, I'm cool with that. But I don't know exactly what the uh, how the Bulls would fit into that mix, what the trading partner situation looks like. You know, Bulls need a point guard. We were talking. It, it makes sense to get a pure point guard type like Lonzo. Okay. I just saw this, too, which makes sense in a four-team deal. Okay. I retweeted it on Twitter. Okay. The Lakers would receive Anthony Davis. The Thunder would receive Bradley Beal and Dwight Howard. The Wizards would get Solomon Hill, Brandon Ingram, Terrence Ferguson, and a 2021 Lakers first-round pick. And the Pelicans would receive Steven Adams, Jeremy Grant, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and the number four pick. That makes sense, though. Well, Thunder won to win now. Thunder get two players. Wizards clear up that terrible cap space that they really need to get rid of in Bradley Beal and Dwight Howard. I don't know if the Thunder want Dwight Howard. Maybe they just release him afterward, but Bradley Beal's a good pickup, right? Well, if they get rid of Steven Adams, they kind of have to keep Dwight. I don't know. Maybe they go out and they try to sign a free agent with the, you know, after clearing out Dwight. I'm not sure what the cap situation's like for Oklahoma City. But, I mean, yeah, the, the Lakers are going to do everything they can to get Anthony Davis. We know that for a fact. They're going to do everything in their absolute power. And now that Magic's out of the picture, I think to some degree, they might feel that they have a better chance of that. Although, New Orleans' owner, no one's talking about this. She is batshit crazy. Like, that lady's a lunatic. I've heard some things. I don't know the whole story of the situation, like, but I've heard some things. It's like something like uh, this, the Saints owner um, passed away, and it's his wife or widow, but like married later on in life. And she, like, kind of has no interest in running the basketball team. She strictly cares about the football team. So, like, she's just kind of, I don't know, derailed, basically, in the entire basketball operation. She came out and said, I don't want to trade with the Lakers no matter what. Which, I guess, in principle is cool. But if L.A. and another team are trying to dump players on you and you're a rebuilding franchise, it would be absolutely fucking dumb as hell to pass up. I don't know, man. Either way, we're going to see AD get traded sooner rather than later, right? We have to agree before the draft. Oh, yeah. He's got to be traded. Otherwise, I feel like if you hold him to the trade deadline, then 
the bidding war is not going to be as much as you could get now. I say we trade Jim Boyland, Derek Rose's right knee, which is a good one. The right knee. Okay. Derek Rose's right knee. A, sl- a bite of the cereal that Otto Porter had this morning. And the inflatable Benny the Bull. And the inflatable Benny the Bull. To the Pelicans. Strictly for cash. And half of the Jordan statue outside. <laughs> Do, I don't know if I can part ways with half of the Jordan statue. Which half? The top half or the bottom half? No, like we'll split it right down, like vertical wise, and we'll just keep the half that has the hand and the ball going forward. Okay, okay, I can I can work with that. We See, can look, give give away his left ass cheek and the left leg. Hey, there you go, New Orleans. You finally get a winner somewhere in your city. So we're sad. Basketball is about to soon end, but it's not going to end for us. Let's get into our interview with Dejuan Gordon. Before we get into the interview with Dejuan. We have a hot feature, if you listen closely in the interview. The ABC Broadcasting crew was kind enough to make a pit stop in Dejon's uh, Skype call. Because, well, you, you guys will hear it. You, you guys will check it out. So, you know, so again, sometimes you win doubleheaders. You win them both. Sometimes you lose them both. Sometimes you split. Here's our interview with Dejon Gordon. Now sitting in section 312, we have Dejuan Gordon. Dejuan, how does it feel to be on the podcast at first? Because, you know, this is a new type of platform for you to reach out on. Because the first thing I want to know is, you know, Bruce Weber, he's going to turn you into a superstar once you go to Kansas State. So we had to get you before he does that. And then you don't want to talk to any media. <laughs> uh, it feels great because I've never been on one. So just something to look forward to. It'll be a journey for all three of us. So <laughs> we'll, we'll actually start things off, right? Uh, congratulations on finishing high school. You know, you're you're moving on. You're the number two recruit in Chicago. So first thing we got to ask, man, how have you dealt with the growing spotlight on you over the last uh, couple of months? How has that kind of played out? Um, I've just been making it seem how I the boxing is my home who was basically in my situation wanted to talk to them. So if somebody wanted to talk to me, I'd talk to them, take pictures, whatever they like. So so you've just been kind of embracing it, really kind of enjoying yeah. the ability to kind of have people coming up to you, enjoying the fame, kind of starting to get your name out there? Yeah, just enjoying it, just to be happy, you know. If Rick Patino was still coaching and, you know, still giving out, like, strippers and cars and shit, what do you think he would be trying to persuade you with to come play at Louisville? <laughs> I'm not even sure. <laughs> Uh, no they get you with the full package, a little bit of everything. So, <laughs> all right. High school season's over. You're transitioning now. You're gonna be moving out to Kansas State soon. Uh, I guess the, you know, what have you been doing over the course of the summer to kind of prepare for that next step in your process? Uh, I just been working out every day. As soon as I get out of school, I just go work out. So what's it like then being able to just jump out of the gym? Because we've watched a lot of your highlights and you have some nasty ass fucking put back dunks. Uh, it's, it's fun because a lot of now everybody just wanna box me out every time. As soon as I smooth and Paul go up, 
it would be cool to know I could just go get the ball and have, have the ball go off the rim. I could just go get it. So is there like a kind of like a rhythm into doing that or are you just at the right place at the right time or like how do you get in that mental state just to jump over everybody and grab it and just slam it down? Nah, when I was like younger, I was always taught that I gotta know, I gotta read the ball, just like know when, when somebody shoot, how I'm gonna come off or whatever. So whenever I jump, sometimes I just know if a person gonna miss or I know how it come off. I still gonna jump anyway if they make it. I just sometimes I just know how how it's gonna come off. Let's move on, Luke, a little bit at the recruiting time. I know it's got to be just a crazy time to be able to be going around. Everyone's courting you. Everyone wants you to play for their team. So, can we talk about your recruiting visits? And if so, did anything wild happen that really stuck out to you? Like during, outside of the the, um, the the basketball side of the visit, you know, they're showing you around a little bit. Nah, nothing really happened. I went to a couple parties. They were doing, you know, regular. They not like how Chicago parties are, but they were pretty good. They're not like, I know what you're talking about. They're not like those little kickbacks out in the couch and shit, right? Trust me, I know what you're talking about. But, I mean, what, um, first off, besides Kansas State, after you committed there, what was your second choice? Uh, I had Kansas State SMU. SMU? Yeah, but once I went on those visits, like other schools tried to come in. But I just committed on my visit, so. So, so what uh, about Kansas State? What did you love so much about Kansas State? Besides Bruce Weber being, you know, a great coach, and he's going to help you take that next level to the NBA. Because you're going to make it there. I'm letting you know that right now. Thanks, man. I just, like, I knew somebody who was already on the team from Chicago. So I knew him since I was about young, around 10 years old, maybe even younger than that. But, uh, no, I'm probably about eight years old. So I know he wouldn't tell me nothing wrong. And plus, when I went down there, like, all like the guys on the team was like real cool. All the coaches were cool. None of them were like stuck up and anything. They just showed genuine love, so it was it was cool. It just seems like uh, you know what the environment at Kansas State was really grounded, and you kind of you know it seems like you're a really grounded dude. Saying that you know with the growing spotlight, you felt that uh, you know you're trying to stay grounded, with you're trying to stay humble, and just kind of work on your own game through. Yeah, because at any second it can be taken for you or someone to pass you up because kids from the division two or the basic three could come play against you and, and kill you. So I didn't play against people who I thought wasn't good and they didn't play good against me. So I just keep working on my game every day. Don't pass up. Just always work hard. But I just I just like to be in the gym every day anyway. So, you know. So. That that's a good you know little segue here. What what would you say is the more, most important aspect of your game? I'm, my versatility, man. I can I can play all. I feel like I can play all positions. I can guard all positions. At that, as long as I just keep getting strong, I feel like I can do whatever the coach need. Rebound, shoot, guard, hustle, whatever they need, I can do it. So that's what I feel. So playing in Chicago, um, getting that experience, playing against a bunch of top-level competition, how do you think your game and what you've learned from playing in the uh, Chicago and playing a bunch of the public schools in the Chicago area uh, will help you transition to your play at Kansas State? Uh, just my toughness. Like, I'm not going to say they're not tough, but they don't play as, like, as hard as we play. Like, people in Chicago, as hard as they play, like, they don't give up. They don't, it don't matter who you are. So I think... Me having that would help me 
just playing against whoever and don't care who you are. You said, you know, mentioned that Chicago toughness and everything like that. So how do you people always talk about Chicago having a different style of basketball that's being played? What do, What's your description of the Chicago style of basketball? Just playing hard, not giving up, like playing for the air. Just playing hard and just being humble. Going back to Penn State, so you said you committed on the visit. That felt like home. It was the place for you. What... Was there a deciding factor? Was there one thing that you can really point to that that was your moment of this is where I want to go, this is where I want to be? Uh, I would say we had like a little conference room and they showed me like uh, they showed me like the players from the tournament when they made the part of four last year. And I remember when I was watching them because when I was watching around, Loyola was recruiting, so I was happy for Loyola making it down there to play and then I was watching them and I was like I really liked them when I was watching because they played Yola even though they lost even though they lost I seen them uh, playing against Yola and I was just you know just watching how they play and they kind of play like Chicago like they play like four out five out and they just hoop no no specific uh position so that's what I like and then they showed me that and they just showed me how I could pack a uh how I could come in and do what I do, just play my game, and how I could fit into their system. And knowing that nothing is, none of it going to be given to me, and I got to work hard. So, so that being said, they never said that you're going to start right away or anything. Nah. You're going to come off the bench or anything like that, but you're definitely going to get some minutes your freshman year. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, so they, they told me it's all over what I bring. They know I like to be in the gym. So. When do you report to Kansas State? Uh... I graduate on the 12th, so I'm going to go down there on a, uh, Saturday, this Saturday, on the 8th, and come back on the 11th, and then leave on the 13th, so I can get some workouts in and some school. Oh, Matsu, yeah, you're, you're jumping right into it, huh? I mean, I feel like that's yeah. great, though, right? Because you, you get some exposure right away, and you're instantly kind of enthralled in it. You get to learn the system quick, and then give yourself a chance to really make a name for yourself early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't wait to get down there. What basketball player would you say that you try to mimic when you're on the court? Like, who's the NBA player that you try to model your game off of the most? And don't fucking say LeBron James. I like Jason Tatum because of the... I just feel like I play like him. Like, he can do everything. Rebound, dunk, shoot. He can play the point guard, shooting guard, small floor. And he can play some defense. It's all about, yeah, yeah, hard work, versatility. Dude can do a little bit of everything. I fucked 100% him with you on that one. Yeah, that's sure. like, so, yeah. so sure. your high school won the Chicago City title again this year. What did it mean to you to go out as a winner? Well, when they won the first one, it didn't really count because they said it was some paperwork mess, mess, messed up. So they won and it didn't really count. So us winning it, winning it this year made it feel good because it really counted. Yeah. Plus, everybody doubted us in the city of Chicago, even even in the state, anywhere. We lost to two teams in the whole the whole season, so two power teams, so number six team in the country in Bill Bill West, who just won back to back state title. So was there was there a team that you got extra hyped up to play against, or uh, was it just everyone you kind of were balling out against? No, nah, I was like really like the big schools like Simeon, Morgan Park, and like Whitney Young. 
those were the teams that we were like really big on that we really wanted to play. So when it came to them, like we were hyped and ready to play. Sydney Young, Whitney Young. This year, like Belleville West, we got to play against them this year. So we know we don't never get to play against them, but we got to play this year. So it was good. Yeah, what a show off for the big teams. Show off, show that you guys belong to. One hundred percent, I get that. Yeah, that's a show. I mean, we did it though. So every time we played, we beat all them teams: Simeon, Whitney Young, or Bogan. All like the teams that was in the in the red South, red Central. All the teams that was in the red, they were all good. It was really never no no weak team. So it was just good to play against them. We were hyped every time. Right. So. Sure. We do want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast. We got a couple more questions before we let okay, you go. No I wanna, I wanna know, like, what's your take on AAU ball? Uh, I think it's the ticket to college. So you think it's completely necessary? Yes. You don't. I think you don't really get a lot of scholarship from high school. You really get it from AAU. That, so that's where all the big. Yeah, because around, uh, yeah, around high school, around high school time, colleges got to play, so they can't be coming to, you know, flying a lot, coming to watch their games, and then going back to their games. So I feel like AAU is totally necessary. You know, I got a funny story to tell you about AAU ball. About seven years ago, I used to play AAU ball back when I was in high school, and Bruce Weber was actually at this tournament we were playing at up in Wisconsin, and he was watching our game. We were playing against Jabari Parker and his travel team up in Wisconsin. Their team shit on us 96-33. Our coach called us all a bunch of pussies and told us to go home. He took us out of the tournament. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean... With your ass playing center out there, I'm sure that you guys got your ass. <laughs> oh, dude, we, we got dunked on by a kid. They had a kid on their team that had one hand, one hand, and then a nub, and the dude dunked on our whole team with the nub. Yeah. <laughs> one hand behind your back. Uh, <laughs> so, one more question from me. Uh, do you think you have a chip on your shoulder being the number two recruit in the state? I know that that's a small chip potentially, but did, did you take that a little personally? Uh, I look at I look at EJs, I think you're number one. Uh, I really don't even. I mean, I think about the rankings, but I really don't get too far into it. So it don't really matter. I'm playing with a chip over my shoulder, just no matter what, just because I came from not being known at all to knowing a little bit. So. I'm playing with a chip. I, I look at the rankings. I want to be ranked number one, but ranking don't mean nothing. I got two final questions for you before we let you go. Okay, There's okay. nothing to do with your career, your game, anything like that. When you make it to the NBA, because you are going to make it, like I said, who's the first Who's the first celebrity who you're going to try and slide into the DMs? I don't know. That's a hard question. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, come on. There's got to be one. There's got to be someone on the mind. There's so many of them. I can't even think of which one I will pick. <laughs> There's not going to be one. This is going to be a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah, all, uh, like Rihanna or something. Rihanna? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You just can't say I love you because then she'll leave you like she did Drake. Okay, my final question for you is, you know, this tying into your NBA career here and, you know, your college career... You, I know, you know, 
players don't like talking with the media and, you know, they get a lot of shit for, you know, posting things on social media and everything. Do you got do you have a uh, a burner account like KD? If you don't, you should, you know, create a couple. What you mean? <laughs> you you never heard that KD's got like four burner accounts where he just talks shit on these fake <laughs> accounts he created? Nah, I thought he just did it on his on his regular account. Well, yeah, this that's before he got busted with all the burner accounts. When he said, you know, the Thunder like suck and after the left, and then they found out it was him on this burner account. <laughs> nah, I ain't going to have a burner account. But I, I didn't know he did that, though. But, uh, <laughs> all right. We wish you the best at Kansas State. We hope that you're, uh, you'll come back onto the show when you make it down to the NBA. You know, we can say we told you so. But uh, we wish you the best, and good luck. Thanks. I will. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, thanks. All right, and that interview with Dejon Gordon, uh, number two in our hearts, recruit, going to Kansas State in the state of Illinois, was brought to you by our friends over at Thrive Fantasy. We have recently partnered up with our friends over at Thrive Fantasy uh, who have created a new daily fantasy sports app for prop bets. Those are the most fun. I absolutely love prop bets. They're my favorites. I'm an undefeated prop bet champion. They've streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do all those unnecessary hours of research because they only use the top tier athletes, people you know about. Make it easy on you. Instead of the traditional salary cap format you'll find on most DFS apps, you get to build your own lineup around a list of pre-selected prop bets. For each contest, you choose 10 of the 20 prop bets plus two ICE picks. In case you haven't been listening to me the last couple of weeks, these picks protect you from any late scratches or postponed games. Each unique prop has an over-under point value assigned to it, and you will be rewarded that specific point value if you make the correct selection. For example, will the women's national team score 15 or more goals today? Will you, Darvish, have a quality start? Are we going to see Alex Morgan hit a double hat trick Against Chile, against Chile on Sunday. The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth. So the women's national team scoring 20 goals is probably going to be low value. Sorry, guys. Build your team around your prop bets. Uh, you win based on the amount of correct picks you select. Check out our friends over at Five Fantasy. When you do and you make your first deposit, they're going to instant match you up to $10. There is giving you $10 to sign up and give them a try. When you do so, make sure to enter our code SEC312. That's S-E-C-312. Find them in the App Store. Give them a look. Thrive Fantasy. Check them out today. All right. So moving on, we get a little Bears talk. It's about that time of year. We start looking at the NFL season that's on the horizon. And the Bears had their 100-year celebration at Rosemont over the weekend. Yeah, they did, and one of my buddies was there, and it looked fucking awesome. So what was going on? I actually didn't see this. I ha- I hadn't been in the loop on this. Yeah, they had like a... Uh, it was kind of like, you know, the Sox convention and the Cubs convention. They do it at the Hilton where all the players are there, and you can go meet and greet and sign them, and they do like conferences and stuff like that. But they, in- they unveiled their new jerseys for this year. They brought back some legends some Hall of Famers to give some speeches. Uh, Trubisky was up there in the chair, and Jim McMahon came out, had the headband, had the sunglasses. Yes, yes. He threw him over to Mitch 
And Mitch put him on right away, no hesitation, and warm for the rest of the night. Bro, I'm loving that Trubisky is embracing uh, the McMahon kind of personality. Like, it's it's a personality Chicago needs. I, I wish he would have chugged a beer while he was there, but, you know, you, you can only get what you can get. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I love the fact... Mitch actually just came out and said a couple hours ago that he loves the city of Chicago. He wants to be a bear for his entire career. He loves the fans. He loves his teammates. He loves the organization. He loves going to work at Hallis Hall every day. And I don't blame him. The Bears are an iconic organization. And I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the greatest Bears quarterbacks to play for the Bears. I mean, the kid's got a great arm. He's got great legs. He's got very good QB vision. He's quick. He's good pocket passer. He can get out of the pocket. You know, there's some levels to his game. He still needs to, you know, improve because I would like to see him get somewhere between the 3,500 and 4,000 passing yards for a true quarterback. Maybe tone it down so much on the rushing yards, but, you know, get those passing yards up a little bit. But yeah, the 100 year celebration at the Rosemont, they brought out Devin Hester, who walked out to crank that soldier boy, which was. (laughs) pretty fucking cool and uh you know they unveiled their new jerseys which were leaked and i like them i really do like them i like the white a lot yeah so i was having people ask me they're they're like so you know what gut reactions like first past feelings about the jersey i'm gonna get basic here i don't like the socks that's my only complaint everything else i love the helmet is in my opinion super cool looks old school kind of got that michigan stripes going on it i i love it I just don't, don't like the socks. They're a little too, uh, a little too much. Yeah, I didn't mind them too much. I, I just like the white uniforms in general. I think it's a classy look. But let's get into some of the actual football aspects of the team. And today on Wednesday, all three of the kickers missed from 42 yards. And after practice, the Bears released, blew it. Yeah. I, I'm worried that we're going to get just get cursed. Like someone's come down and the 42-yard field goal is just going to be cursed in Chicago forever. Because none of these dudes can ever seem to hit it. Like every report I hear is, is all of them missed again from 42 yards. Nagy has them out, kick from 42. All of them miss. It's definitely a big spit in Cody Parkey's face, though, which I really appreciate, is that he just continues to like put it right at the same spot and say, God damn it, make this kick, please. No one can do it except for one man. The man. The hero of the Chicago Bears kicking. Robbie Gold, he's holding out from the 49ers. He wants to come home. He wants to come home so bad. Ryan Chase, do it. I know. He wants to win a Super Bowl with the Bears so bad that he knows that his leg could be the ancient artifacts to the Lombardi Trophy. Ryan Pace, you bring this old dog home, goddammit. (laughs) You go get Lassie. You go get him. (laughs) Bring Lassie back, man. Come on. But seriously, like, he's out there. It's a little bit of a price cut, but I mean, he would make it from 42. Robbie Gold is probably just sitting there and, like, in his backyard has kicks at 42 yards and just wants to keep filming them and sending them to the Bears. Just make 10 in a row and be like, here, just please. Yeah, dude, when I when I think of Robbie Gold right now, I think of him in his back, like a cartoon uh, character of his house and him in the backyard 
filming like Uncle Rico throwing the balls over the mountains and every and all the 49ers teammates at his front door just trying to ring his doorbell and like looking through his windows and but he's just out back you know looking at you know a photo album of the bears yeah 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 it's um Oh god, what's the meme where it's the dude that's just crying and he's like touching the old picture and it's just a Chicago Bears logo, a bear man, and it's just Robbie Gold just like <laughs> with a tear in his eye, just like reminiscing in a photo album. Yeah, it's the picture of him and Bear Man when Bear Man got inducted into the Hall of Fans. <laughs> Maybe we can uh, We I'm telling you, dude, we gotta call Don and be like, Don, look. You got to call Robbie and say, we, we need you to come home, buddy. And then get on the phone with Ryan Pace and work that puppy out. I think we I, th- I think he can make that happen. All right. Well, that's enough of Bears kicking woes. Cool jerseys, if we're going to get basic about it. Seems like fun times in Chicago, though. They're the most bet team go uh, for the Super Bowl. Like, that, the most bets have been placed on the Bears to win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I guess that's, if anything, at least pretty cool. Let's jump right into the MLB because All-Star break is around the corner. You can go out and vote now for all of your Cubs and White Sox favorites. Starting with the Cubs, though, the Cubs sweep the Cardinals over this past weekend, and they're now 8-2 and two in their last 10. Steve Ciszek got hurt today playing catch with Brandon Kinsler. I feel like the bullpen cannot catch a break. We're getting injured putting on pants. We're getting injured practicing. We're getting injured playing catch before the games. I got a joke for you. I got a joke for you. What what you got? On a scale of uh, one to white suburban dad. Bullpen. Bullpen. More like bedpan. Did you think of that yourself? I did, actually. Uh, That was pretty clever. That was pretty clever. What, What do you rate that, though? On a scale of one... Two zip uh, zippable track pants that zip into shorts. One short pants. All right, all right. I got one long one, one short one. All right, I, I can work with that. I can work with that. <laughs> but the Cubs, we keep getting hurt. We finally get Kimbrel, but Kimbrel, you know, we won't see him for a couple of weeks. Maybe not till after the All Star break or something like that. But some other possible trade targets I've been hearing for the Cubs are Billy Hamilton of the Kansas City Royals. Will Smith of the San Francisco Giants and Matthew Boyd of the Detroit Tigers. You know, you Darvish is yet to win a game at Wrigley. The bullpen still needs help. And Will Smith can fill those roles. And Billy Hamilton is just speed and more depth in the outfield to play center field to help Albert Elmore. Because it doesn't seem like Ben Zobris is coming back anytime soon. I was going to ask you if that was, you think, uh, a reaction to the Zobris thing. So that makes sense. Yeah, but Kyle Schwarber's been on a tear. He's on pace for 30 home runs, but he still can't hit for average at all. It's just like Adam Dunn. It's a strikeout or a home run. And yeah. we're back to being tied for first place with the Brewers. So it's been, a, it's been a decent week as a Cubs fan. I feel like the Cubs have actually had a quiet. I mean, they're always on national TV, but that's that's what you get when you're a big market. But I feel like the Cubs have had a quietly, really positive at least season. Like at least out here, like it, they're not talked about a ton. But I mean, they're they're there. They're hanging right in there with the Brewers, who have been nothing but a wagon for the last year and a half. So yeah, no. And Christian Yelich has twenty five home runs already, which is fucking insane. 
while Christian Yelts is an animal. He has more home runs, I think, in his last like year plus with the, the Brewers than he did in his entire time in Miami. So props to Derek Jeter. Brett, go talk to Derek. Ask him why. Um, moving over to the north side. South side. Let's look at that. The White Sox are so fucking irrelevant that I'm just thinking they're on the north side at this point. Five and five of their last ten. I mean, dude, this is the most 500 team ever. I think every week I look and, you know, it's six and four, four and six, five and five or the last ten. It's just back and forth, which is, I guess, a positive from last year. You're moving up. The Twins are running away with the AL Central. I mean, 11 games ahead of Cleveland, huge lead. White Sox are only game and a half back second place in Cleveland. They're only Cleveland's only one game above 500. I mean, talk about a fall from grace from them, right? Like, this has been wild. The twin, no one thought the Twins were going to be this fucking good. And I keep hearing that the Twins are in the race to acquire Trevor Bauer from the Cleveland Indians. Oh, God. Talk about giving up. You just trade away one of your studs in division. That would be... Uh, I don't know how they're going to make that work. That would be a wild move to make and kind of unheard of. But, you know, if the if Cleveland needs to hit the brakes really quick and start getting some prospects because they see that they're just this isn't working, then I, I guess I get it. The bullpen has been a huge issue. There's more scoring off of this fucking White Sox bullpen in the eighth and ninth innings than a fucking sorority girl off of five off of three White Claws. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but. Lucas Giolito is the shining, like he's a supernova on this team, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm LG for Cy Young, like ridiculous run. He's nine and one with a 2.2 ADRA this year, 10.68 strikeouts per nine as a starter Four like around four strikeouts to walks. He's the dude. He's looking finally like the guy that he was projected to be when the White Sox picked him up. And it's it's really great for him, though. It looks like they at least like he's turning into the ace that he was always thought to be. Right. I mean, he has fewer earned runs allowed this season than Ronaldo Lopez had and has had in his last four starts. And Ivan Nova had in his first five. It's it's unbelievable. The dude's on a tear. I mean, show me a pitcher in the AL that's pitching. Better than LG and I will show you a liar. So. I think if you're a White Sox fan, you just got to cling on to Giolito continuing to be dominant and the young guys continuing to develop and, you know, just staying positive for the future right now. Let's take it over to the pitch. See what I did there? I, I do see what you did there. I actually didn't even realize that uh, double entendre until I said it, but the U.S. women's national team, dude, might be the most dominant team in, I don't in even America. know, in, in everything. I mean, dude, you know, I was thinking about it, too. I was thinking ball guy of the week. Maybe we should just go to the bald eagle America. I, I, I could ride with that. I have another one, too. We'll, we'll, I, I also want to give it to the bald eagle because America is here at the Women's World Cup and ready to flex its fucking wings on everybody. 13 to nothing win over Thailand. It was just embarrassing, dude. Like. Alex Morgan, the verified smoke, scores five goals, three assists. Just absolutely fucking shit all over Thailand's team. Like, probably has more talent out there by herself than the other 11 players on Thailand combined. And it's Thailand's first time there. It's like when Eastern Alabama schedules a pity match or a pity game against Clemson. And Clemson just runs out and goes 70-3. to I mean, actually not even 70-3 to because they didn't fucking score. So 70-0. to I mean, 
I don't know. There was a lot of stories about, oh, the U.S. shouldn't be celebrating when they score the 13th goal. Man, I got to say one thing to these people is like, you all are fucking losers. Y'all are participation trophy lovers. Yeah, that shit sucks. You win big, you selly hard, and then you fucking repeat. And that's all we're going to do for the rest of this World Cup until, well, until it's it's in the United States. Do they get to keep it? I think they do. I I, I mean, you know what? You don't want to win. You don't want to watch them celebrate. Don't score. That's all I got to say. Germany also won 8 to nothing. Equally good wagon. Yeah, no one's getting on Germany's ass. The one thing I noticed, though, and took away, I was looking at today, there are some ridiculous odds to win this World Cup. Thailand is 900,000 to one. And, like, most countries are 150,000 to one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There are 900,000 to one. I'm, yeah. So we should go put 100 bucks down on Thailand, and then we'll become millionaires overnight? No, you're going to lose $100 if you put... $100 $100 in Thailand, but you could put a dollar on Thailand and say, fuck it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, the World Cup is exciting. I, I like the World Cup the and the women's because it's kind of like playing a game of any video game on easy. You just kind of get to watch your team just shit pump people. So I'm all for it. Um, you, know what else, you know what else is really fun? What? Winning the second game of a doubleheader. The ESPN crew or the ABC crew was great though. They were doing yeah. their job. Doris was sounding great. She had her she brought her A game. But we have Tony Gill from the Lawrence Holmes show, executive producer, great dude. We're talking a ton of great stuff. We talk about his come up, we talk about how he got into the radio business. We talk about what he's up to now with his podcast. Had some great laughs. Do a little bit of Bulls talk. Tony's the man. I love Tony. It was a really fun interview. Really great time. Yeah, it was awesome. And, you know, he actually reached out to us, you know, about the show. So that was something cool, you know. So here's our interview with 670 The Score, Lawrence Holmes Show, Tony Gill. Now sitting in section 312, we have the executive producer for the Lawrence Holmes Show on 670, the score, Tony Gill. Tony, I want to start off right away. How did you become the executive producer for the Lawrence Holmes Show? Uh, Well, Herb Lawrence couldn't get the job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Herb uh, is, uh, well, was Lawrence's uh, former executive producer. Um, and uh, the opportunity came about when Lawrence uh, was negotiating his new deal uh, with the score. Um, he wanted a change, and uh, the company felt confident in Lawrence enough to move him to their daytime lineup, uh, something that Lawrence has been wanting for a while. Um, and um, he wanted Herb Lawrence uh, initially, which is fine. I mean, him and Herb go way back. Um, so I kind of knew that that was kind of, gonna happen um so i wasn't worried about anything like that uh i'm friends with both of them they're both my mentors so i was i was happy for their move uh which i thought but uh come come to know that uh herb is is too important to cubs radio right now and primarily the cubs play at night so he's the executive producer of cubs baseball and bulls basketball and uh he's great at that job and they didn't want to move him so um I was the next guy up, yeah, next uh, next in line. Uh, me and Lawrence have a uh, strong relationship. 
Um, he, I was his intern, you know, when I first started out in this business. So it's kind of everything kind of came around full circle. That now I'm his executive producer on the, this midday show, and uh, it's been it's been fun so far. So how did you get to know Lawrence? Uh, well, I've always been a fan of Lawrence. Uh, I've been a fan of the score since I was a kid. I mean, my old man um, actually got me into sports and got me into sports radio. He would just play it all the time. So, I mean, I couldn't pick what I liked on the radio, so I just had to like what was what was on. Uh, so, and it was always on the score. So that's when I found out about Lawrence and, you know, Terry Bores and Dan Bernstein and Dan McNeil, like all those guys I became a fan of, but especially Lawrence. Uh, in particular, because I didn't hear a lot of black voices as well on sports radio. It was just him, you know, Jay Hood. And then uh, Jason Goff kind of came around, you know, after a little bit after a little bit later. Um, so, yeah, I've always been a fan of Lawrence. And once I decided that I wanted to be in broadcasting, in radio broadcasting, um, that was the only place I wanted to work at. And that was the only place I wanted to intern at. Um, and that's how it started. I started my internship there. And probably six years ago, um, and then that's how it got going. So I'm glad you brought that up about how you wanted to go into radio broadcast and everything, because I did do a little research. You know, I had to, mm -hmm. you know, go way back a little bit. But <laughs> you actually went to the Illinois School of Broadcasting, which is actually right down the street from me here in Lombard. How would you say studying there is different than actually going to a four-year university and studying over there? Um, well, you know what? I, I, I did go to a university prior to uh, Illinois Media School. I mean, out of high school, you want to do the traditional thing, you know, go to a college, you know, get a degree. I had no clue what I wanted to do. I was just wasting money. If, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know what you want to do in the future, don't go to a university. Go to a community college and, or, or just skip school altogether and figure it out first. Um, and that's, I made the mistake and went to school and now I'm, you know, paying off school debts and whatever. But I did go to university, get my associate's degree. I went to Robert Morris in uh, computer networking, and I hated it, every bit of it. It was the worst thing ever. I hate. I mean, the people were fine, but the the type of people in that field is not the type of personality, you know, that I am. So I was like, okay, this is not going to work. So I I, I took uh, about a year or two off of school and just went to work until I figured it out. And again, I'm still listening to six seventy the score, and then I heard the commercial about the Illinois Media School, and I was like, you know what, I think I'm just going to go ahead and do it, um, and I just went for it, and uh, I love it, been loving it ever, ever since, been loving the grind, and uh, appreciate every opportunity that I've been given. Yeah, I can definitely see with a personality like yours that computer networking might not like <laughs> it. It's a little dull for most people out there, and you seem a little too, uh, <laughs> a little too feisty for that. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> so I think you brought up a good point. Um, actually, before we get to this, I got to ask a quick question because mm -hmm. Quentin got me there. But you didn't meet you knew Lawrence Holmes before you met him, correct? Yeah. OK, so this is a shocker for me. And I want to know if it was for you, too. His voice, in my opinion, sounded nothing like the way he looks. Was that kind of the same way? That you and I mean that in the best way. I think he is a handsome man, and I, did, I just did not get that from the radio. No offense to Lawrence in any shape or form on that. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, that's how it typically is. I mean, people, uh, you develop these relationships uh, with the characters, basically, you hear on the radio, and you have 
uh, these images, the same similar as reading a book. You have these images in your head of what these people might look like that you're hearing or that you're reading. You're getting these descriptors uh, about these people without seeing them, and you you're becoming a fan of of uh, the the image, the visual image that you have in your head. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I got over it quick. Once you see that you know these people are actually people and they're human, and you know um, you kind of get over or the starstruckness of it. Uh, if that's a word, it's probably not. But but yeah, you kind of get over it kind of fairly quick, especially you know when you want to get noticed. You got to got to put in the work, so that that gets over real fast. So I want to uh, play off the fact that you're saying starstruck and everything, and that jumps into my next question. Uh, how did you get verified on Twitter with only a thousand <laughs> How is that possible? And if, and if you um, something that we don't, you got to slip uh, us some information so we can. Get uh, well. The, this is this is the second time I tried to get verified. This is the second batch of going around. Um, the first time, uh, well, our, what I, what happens is our company sends out a, a company wide email that says, "Okay, we're going to Twitter again for another batch of verifications." Uh, one, it helps out the company because it, you know, gives them a a like credentials uh, for the company and say, "Hey, this." verified person works for us so it helps out them and it also helps out the individual for getting booked as guests like i am now or um getting reached out for things or stuff like that it it, it makes people a little bit more uh, known about what you're trying to do um so i knew that for for me to be a more credible bulls kind of reference uh, that i want to be because i love the bulls um, I had to get verified. So uh, I went to my company and uh, sent out my information. Um, and they were like, uh, yeah, OK, we'll take it. So I needed a, uh, a website page, which the company provided uh, as a link. I get, I think it's uh, to my Twitter. Uh, you can go onto my 670 score page and see the one thing that I've written. <laughs> um, and um, just a couple other like technical things, two-step verification, other things like that. But I really think that the work that I was putting in terms of the video content when I was uh, going cover the Bulls, um, it kind of made me seem, I guess, more important than I actually am. Um, just being able to be a uh, consistent uh, content creator, I think it, it probably helped me out a lot. Uh, when they see the impressions of how many people are viewing the videos or uh, viewing the things that I tweet out, I think really help me out so i mean other than that that's about as much as advice i can give you on being verified i, I just got lucky i guess the key to success is the tiny blue check mark <laughs> <laughs> so uh i have a quick question for you tony about okay. actually working as an executive producer um so when you are sorry a sec here i'm i'm losing myself on this so when you're working as an executive producer uh, is there what are you pushing and pulling behind the scenes to make sure that the show flows? And on top of that, is does that change with different hosts and from person to person that you're dealing with? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, before I became the this uh, in my current role with Lawrence, uh, I was a, a you know part timer dealing with different hosts. You know, basically every time I went to work, um, if it wasn't Lawrence. Um, I was working with uh, the afternoon show and they're a different set of hosts or uh, Julie DeCaro, who does a great job on the night show. Um, it's it's difficult because you have to get used to everybody's personality. 
Um, again, the, the producer and the executive producers are there to boost the host and to help push the host um, to, to, to create more content for the audience and to make it entertaining for the audience. Uh, it's never about the producer. Uh, the producer is just the person to boost the host and help the host. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely difficult because uh, particularly for me, because I'm used to consistency and I work better with consistency. Um, so working with different hosts, um, trying to figure out everybody's personality, how they talk, how they do things. Um, it was fairly difficult, but it, it, it had to be done. I mean, it's difficult, but every part time producer should get try and get to know every host that they work with uh, to make them feel comfortable because when they're comfortable, they do a better show, which means the show does better. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a bit tricky uh, in the, uh, in the beginning of it. But uh, once you start talking, I mean, that's basically it. You can't be afraid to start talking, asking questions. Um, it may be dumb. I don't, I mean, I asked a lot of dumb questions, <laughs> but uh, I mean, but it, it helps. It helps with the, the, the chemistry of a show um, it helps get uh, for you to get to know them better. Um, and all that comes out when you're doing a show. People can tell if you don't know this person that you're supposed to be working with. People can tell. It comes off on the radio very easy. So I made it my personal job, no matter how awkward, no matter how you know difficult it may have been to just take that leap of faith for that other person. They knew it was coming from a genuine place of wanting to do a great show that day with them. Um, and they respect that. So who is that one person right there uh, that's out there right now that you haven't worked with or you want to get the chance to work with? Um, well, I'm living it now with, with Lawrence. Uh, I mean, I've always wanted to work with Lawrence, and now I work with him every day. Um, a person that I have worked with just on a, on a short amount of occasion when he was here was Terry Bors. Um, Terry is such a great dude. I mean, how he comes off on air is the exact person that he is off the air. It's all natural. It's all authentic. Um, and he's one of the reasons why I wanted to get into radio. So when he does, uh, he's sometimes he does some spot uh, hosting gigs with us. Every, if you guys pay, uh, pay attention to, to our programming, um, he'll fill in every once in a while. And I had an opportunity to, you know, produce for him for like a, a week or something like that. And it, it was great. I wish I had more time. So if I had to pick one person, it would probably be him or Jason Goff. Yeah, I would love to work with Jason Goff. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I don't know about Quentin, but I always grew up on 670 The Score. Like I grew up as you know, a teenager in the Chicago area for whatever weird reason, being 16 instead of listening to music, I was, I was listening to Boris and Bernstein and Goff in the morning and the afternoons. Like that was my jam when I was delivering sandwiches when I was 17. Going <laughs> so I'm, I'm 100% behind that. Um, so I want to move on to your podcasts that you're working with. So you host the no zones podcast. You're covering the bulls hosting that. Do you want to plug your viewers? Number one or listeners on um, where they can check that out. Yeah, you can uh, just search everywhere. I think except Spotify. I think Spotify is like a radio.com like competitor. So except for Spotify, everywhere else you can get your podcast. Um, just search No Zones with Tony Gill for all your uh, Bulls contents. We bring on uh, guests. It's uh, typically just conversational um, with me and Cody. I want to do more uh, with this new venture with Lawrence. It's kind of taking a back seat slightly. Um, but as the season gets closer in the draft, I'll be putting out more content 
on uh, that feed as well. So, yep, just search Tony Gill. Please like and rate and subscribe and download and all that stuff. So, yeah. 100 percent so i have another question quentin's looking at me like he, he wants to jump in but i got one more here <laughs> real quick before he does that so on our podcast we're begrudgingly self-deprecating bulls fans right now it's been yeah. rough in chicago lately please give us something we can look forward to in this immediate future as a bulls fan that's like the light at the end of the tunnel um the team won't be as bad as they were last year. That's better. <laughs> I mean, that's good. That's, that's progress. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, with the, where the Bulls have, or John Paxson has said, um, they're, I think they're done with trying to play the lottery games. Um, and they want to start doing some winning. Again, I'm always on the path of what gets you closer to winning a championship. Um, and as of right now, their path to winning a championship is, is a bit murky. I don't know. Um, but what you can count on is uh, another step up, another growth season from Laurie Marketing, um, who was injured earlier in the last year, but came uh, came back after uh, he was injured and then, you know, played fairly well, especially with, Otto, with the addition of Otto Porter, who's a really good player. Um, and he, he definitely played well. Otto Porter, he's a seasoned veteran, but he's still relatively young. Um, you can expect uh, some some uh, a big jump from him. Also, Zach Levine. Uh, Zach Levine is going to take another step up. He may be an all-star this year. Um, I'm looking forward to what he does. Um, and, yeah, that's that's all I can give you on the Bulls right now. How do, uh, you, um, how do you feel about the NBA draft right now, the, the way that it plays out, where these top one through four teams end up not getting the one through four draft picks? Because Drew came up with a very good solution to solve this draft problem. <laughs> I, I would like to hear it. So, um, basically, I came up with, what I would call like a binning philosophy where roughly the first five teams or every five teams you were have, uh, I think it was something around. I said a, if you're in the top five, you have a roughly equal chance at the number one pick, no team outside. I think it was the top five or seven can get the top pick. And then teams from seven to, I think it's, uh, is it 18 or 14, wherever the, the lottery ends, are stuck, I think, within, you know you're within two picks of where you're projected to fall. So it takes some fun out of the lottery, but I think that way at least, we don't want to reward tanking teams, but I think the philosophy was that um, at least if you give it that way, a team that does need to rebuild and restructure and get a solid piece to build off of can have a chance at that and isn't going to run the risk of falling from the third pick to the seventh pick like the Bulls have suffered from, you know. So yeah, that, I, uh, I I think that I think teams will be definitely trying to take uh, under under that uh, under that philosophy. Um, I mean, but no matter what they do, if your best chances is to lose, that's what you're going to do to get that top pick. Um, no matter how they change it or you know what they do to try and fix tanking. Yeah, the Lakers they weren't uh, a bottom four team, but you got to play the odds. It's all luck anyway, right? So you want the best odds possible uh, to get that top pick. And if you have the worst record in the league, it, it definitely increases your percentages in terms of getting that top pick. So I think tanking is always going to be around. It's always going to be a thing in the NBA. Um, they may have flattened the odds a little bit where you, I guess they say, hey, don't 
be that bad. You can still get the number one pick. I guess what the NBA is trying to say now with this with this new uh, system. But if I mean, if the only path for your organization and is to acquire top tier talent is through the draft, your best chances is to lose. That's just the honest fact. And I don't know if anything's going to change that. Yeah, and I guess like my well, unless, unless they get rid of the draft entirely, which is I'm I'm a huge proponent for, it, but that's not. Gonna oh, happen. really? Please explain. I would love to hear that. Oh yeah, um, I'm all about um, the the open market. I mean, there is no real. Uh, there's nothing else like the the draft. is is it's it's not fair for the individuals involved. Um, we all get to choose where we want to work. What should be different about them? Um, and people that complain about, well, what about the small market teams? And I don't really think it's about that because one, because of the salary cap, you can't pay everybody. So everybody can't go to Golden State. Everybody can't go to, you know, uh, uh, New York or something like that. So there's money to be had at these other teams. Also, it gets rid of incompetence at the executive levels of NBAs a lot faster because the owners can be like, hey, you're not getting anybody. It's been like, for example, for the Bulls, if this system was to be put in place, I think our packs uh, will be fired a long time ago because now everybody's a free agent and you have to woo all those guys to come to your organization. And if nobody's coming here, they're like, well, what do I need you for? I need a, I need a salesman. I need a person that can sell my franchise and you can't do that. So I think it gets rid of incompetence faster. Um, and I think it's fair for the players. I mean, I completely agree with that from the sense that you can get away from, as you mentioned, executives hiding behind the curtain per se of, oh, it's rebuilding draft picks, draft picks, draft picks and no results. But you can kind of keep pushing it back a couple of years. So I, I completely agree and get what you're saying on that for sure. We do have some breaking news here, though, right away. If you, you're going to get it first here, Tony, but what? Ellis Keuchel just signed a one year contract with the Atlanta Braves for $13 million. OK, but yeah, about time. <laughs> so I want to know your thoughts on the Craig Kimbrell deal with the Cubs. I thought it was an excellent, excellent uh, pickup by the Cubs. I mean, when you have a closer of that caliber just sitting there, um, which is something that's a whole different discussion on how that's going about in Major League Baseball. But um, he was just sitting there ready to be had. And um, they needed another arm in that bullpen. Um, Strope is OK, serviceable. But they they never really had a defined closer because they never really had that talent on their team. The only time that they had it was with Chapman, and they won a World Series that way. So uh, I was in the locker room actually yesterday uh, when they found out. Uh, C.J. Edwards uh, actually compared this season to that 16 season where he's like, Kimbrell is on the same level or even better than Chapman was in 16. So that pick, that pickup for them, I mean, everybody was around the locker room was excited about it. Uh, Theo Epstein, who's going to be on the birthday and night show. So score plug tomorrow. He's going to talk about uh, the pickup and why they chose to go that direction. Uh, but yeah, I think all around, this is a win, win, win for the Cubs. You know, I'm glad you brought up Carl Edwards because we would love to get him on the podcast to squash a little bit of beef that we got between us because you, you really quite as beef with him. He blocked me on Twitter two years ago. <laughs> during what, the what, what did you say? During the NLCS, 
uh, when we were playing the the NLCS or the NLDS, I don't remember. When we were playing the Nationals, he went in to pitch three consecutive nights and left that hanging curveball, which he has no control over, in the middle of the zone and gave up a home run three consecutive nights. And I tweeted at him. I was like, Carl, please stop throwing the curveball in the middle of the zone. Sincerely, every Cubs fan. And he responded to me. He said, thanks, you, and then blocked me. So... <laughs> So we're, so I'm trying to get him on the podcast, you know, squash the little beef we got and see if he'll come back me. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see if he's uh, willing to come off of it, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not giving you any promises. He's going to remember you too. Cause you, if you held this grudge, he's definitely going to remember you with that one. <laughs> Is there a, you were you're, so you're in the locker room. Is there, is there a locker room guy that, uh, on the Cubs that kind of you personally enjoy the most? Is it the whole team as a whole is kind of really easy to talk to? Um, to be honest, I just started, you know, going to the Cubs uh, and just baseball locker rooms in general, like a couple of weeks ago. Um, I wanted to do something different, you know, going back to the show, uh, the Lawrence show. Uh, not a lot of producers actually go out and be in those locker rooms. Um, either because they can't do it because of time constraints um, or they have you know other things to do or, you know, they don't want to kind of face the heat of what they say on air and go into those locker rooms and kind of meet their maker on, on some of those things. That's also a possibility, too. So um, I want to make sure that everything that I say in regards to what's going on with these current teams is informative, but also I'm kind of with my actions showing that I can back up, you know, what I say on air because I'm there. Um, so going into those locker rooms, uh, baseball, who's easy to talk to? Well, CJ is pretty cool. He's a cool guy. I mean, one thing when you go into these locker rooms, you got to remember these are still human beings. You may watch them on TV and not have, you know, any you know control over them or be able to talk to them directly outside of Twitter. But they're still human beings. They got feelings. You know, they get angry. They get upset. Uh, they get disappointed. They they don't want to play bad. <laughs> you know, they sometimes <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't want to play bad. It's just you know sometimes they have tough stretches. And being being able to address it with the with the players who know that they're playing bad. They know more than we do because they're actually playing. They're actually in the games. Um, so yeah, everybody pretty much is cool. I mean, in in, in a locker room, uh, they all understand what the media is there for. Um, they may hold grudges every once in a while, which makes it a, a tad bit more entertaining overall when somebody's like, no, nah, I'm not answering your questions or something like that. <laughs> but I think in the end, every, everybody's a, a professional and may know, you know what the media is there to do. So, so I, can't, I can't really give you one person. I'm sorry if I didn't answer. No, that's, that's okay. <laughs> so how long have you been in the city of Chicago? All my life. Okay, um, that plays into my next question here. What is your favorite place in the city to eat? Ooh, um, if if I had to pick one, I would probably say Portillo's. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because it has. Uh, sometimes if I'm not feeling the burger, I'll go with a Polish, you know, or a hot dog, or something lighter. Maybe I'll get a salad or a pasta. Uh, but yeah, everything I need: cheese fried. The shakes are great. Um, it's it's not 
you know, slow, but yeah, everything that I need is there. So I think I'll go with Portillo's. Have you noticed the change though over the years, especially since Dick Portillo sold the company and it's becoming more of a tr- uh, franchise now? Like it used to be bigger beasts, uh-huh. used to be more meat, more food. It used to be a little better quality, and now that he sold it and it became a franchise, it's still really good. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the same as it used to be. I, um, I gotta be honest, I haven't really noticed it. I just love Portillo. I just love <laughs> each other restaurant. I gotta be honest with you. Um, but I typically get the same like general things, and it's really hard to mess those things up. I mean, I get you know, maybe a chicken Alfredo. Um, or a hot dog or a, or a burger. I mean, you, it's really hard to mess those things up. So <laughs> I, I hope it hasn't changed too much. Okay, I have another Chicago question for you. Uh-huh. Has there been an all-time favorite accent, Chicago accent, either a person that's called into the show or someone that you've had on that's uh, a sports figure in the town that you remember as this is the most Chicago accent I've ever heard? Uh, well, we get the, you know, the the... The Northwest Side has a really heavy Chicago <laughs> accent. Um, the, the accent that you know you, you you hear people from other states replicate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean, again, it's like it's like two separate Chicago's. You got the you know South and West sides of Chicago where you know the the R's are pronounced correctly. The you know when people say Der- Derek Rose, it's like Derek Rose. You know they fuse the two R's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when they say Derek Rose. Uh, and then you got the Northwest side, the traditional Chicago accent uh, on the Northwest side, which I enjoy. I enjoy all the Chicago accents, but those two in particular is, is, are the ones I like. Oh, don't get me wrong. We completely embrace it. I mean, that, it's part of it's part of the culture. Like, you got to love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tony, we do want to say thank you, first off, for taking the time to come sit in Section 312. This has been so much fun. We got a couple more questions before okay. we let you go. I got, I got time. So... My final question would be to everybody out there that's trying to get their way into the radio industry, what advice would you give them in pursuing a career, whether it's producing, you know, a content creator, a, a radio host? What would you tell them? Um, I think about that a lot now because the industry has changed just in the small amount of time that I've been in it, um, which has been about maybe six years or so. Um, because one, the biggest reason is because nobody's really taking in interns anymore. Um, and that's because of a, uh, a lawsuit that was filed by another company, not my, uh, not intercom or CBS, but I think, I think it may be ESPN. Uh, but yeah, uh, an intern sued, uh, the company saying, Hey, I'm doing more work than the actual people getting paid for it. And they won. So now that shut down the internship really across the majority of uh, radio and television, which is a shame because that's how people get, you know, into the business. Um, because I'm telling you, these people hold on to jobs for as long as they can. Right. Uh, um, so it's it's very difficult to do that without internship. So I, I always tell to myself, how would I would have gotten into the business without having that internship? And what I came up with was doing my research and creating my own content. What you guys are doing right now is a huge key into getting into the business because people aren't really trying to grow talent anymore. They're not hiring hardworking, willing people anymore. You have to be hardworking, willing, and you already have to have a base uh, knowledge for what you're about to get into. 
I mean, in terms of hosting, in terms of producing, um, in terms of generating uh, content for companies to use. Nobody is uh, same thing in the music industry. You're trying to get into music, there are no hardly any more A and R's. Nobody is looking for. Hey, I can grow that talent. No, you ha- already have to have a solid base for a company to to attach themselves to, so you can hit the ground running once you get hired. Um, so starting your own content like you is probably the biggest key. Uh, the next biggest thing is doing your research on who are the keepers, who are the program directors, who are the executive producers, um, getting their emails, phone numbers, meeting them in person, sending letters. You have to go the extra mile to get these people's attention. They get emails and telephone calls every single day. I see it. I walk past uh, Mitch Rosen's, uh, my program director's office all the time. He's getting a phone call or an email from somebody. Those don't matter. The consistency of those, are you constantly reaching out? Um, are you trying to meet these people? Um, I see we lost Andrew there. Oh, I'm, I'm still here. here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I think um, we're full, uh, batch there. We're good. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you have to know who are the gatekeepers in the business so you can reach out to them and say, hey, uh, my name is this. I'm doing this. How can I get into your business? How can you hire me? Is there any openings? I mean, you have to be a dog about it. I mean, I, I'm just trying to be honest. There's no easy path uh, anymore, particularly with internships being gone, to get in. So you have to force your way in. So uh, that, that would be my two biggest keys. So creating your own content, either writing, podcasting, uh, editing, all of that stuff, and uh, getting to know the gatekeepers, the people involved in the business, uh, so they get to know your name and get to know what you're about. It's all about the grit. I like yeah. it. <laughs> Tim Boylan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to comment on Jim Boylan, but we, we, we're not good on this podcast with Jim Boylan right now. We're not in good terms. But um, we didn't call him out on Twitter, though. Um, <laughs> I, got a couple, I got a couple more um, okay. before we let you go, Tony. So... Um, first things first, can we get an NBA finals prediction from you? What, what are you thinking? Um, I don't really like you. I don't really like doing predictions, but okay. I'm going to say it this way. Let me put it this way. Okay. Drew has this idea in his head. Do you think KD actually tore his Achilles and they're not saying that he did? I think he may have partially torn his calf. Okay. Um, I don't think it's the Achilles. I think he may have partially torn the calf instead of straining it. Um, because if this was just a strain, I think he would have been back by now. I mean, it's been two series now where they just flat out said that he's not playing. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a strain. It sounds like he may have tore something. Um, I think it would have been more somber around the players, around the, the staff, and, and we would have heard something or somebody would have leaked something out that. Because the Achilles is, is, is important. We see the effect of tearing your Achilles with Boogie Cousins. I mean, Mark Gasol is driving past him on a, on a consistent basis. Yeah. So you need that Achilles. So I think if it was that, um, you see more down faces and more like, oh, man, this is messed up. KD is not going to be the same again. But I do think he may have partially torn that calf muscle. Um, but uh, in terms of gun to my head, I'll probably say Golden State just because it's hard to see them losing until I see them lose. Um, and, you know, I think, I think with that, with clay being back, it, it, it helps them out tremendously, but I do think 
that uh, the Raptors can get this done. Um, I think they have the defensive capabilities. This is the best defense that Golden State has ever seen. Ever seen. I'm talking about length. I'm talking about defensive IQ. Everybody on the roster who's going in for Nick Nurse knows what they're doing on defense and on offense. So it's not just like they're playing just this mucked up game. No, Nick Nurse is they're doing stuff on offense. Um, and it's very entertaining uh, watch for if you're a basketball fan. Um, it's very tactical um, what Nick Nurse and Steve Kerr are doing. Uh, they're at, they're playing chess out there. Um, and it's really entertaining if you're a uh, hoops head to watch. I know that the mass appeal may not be there you know, in terms of superstars because LeBron isn't there. But if you enjoy the game of basketball, you should be enjoying the back and forth tactics that Nick Nurse and Steve Kerr are doing, along with uh, Steph Curry and, and, and Kawhi Leonard and uh, playoff uh, Kyle Lowry being thrown out the door. This is a new Kyle Lowry we get to see. And it's it's been fun. Yeah, we were talking about that actually. We recorded last night. We're going to have this week's episode out soon. And, and I said that, right? I mean, Kyle Lowry has been getting a lot of slack from the mainstream media, the big dogs. Deserved, out there. though. Yeah, no, 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 100%. <laughs> I mean, he, I was thinking, you know, Kawhi has taken a load off of Lowry's back to some mm-hmm. degree. I feel like Lowry is relaxed out there. He looks so, uh, I don't know if it's the yips got over just because he's been playing a lot better in the, uh, I guess last round, he really kind of picked it up, but I, I, you can definitely tell that he is playing loose out there and he looks like he's back to what we see in the regular season on a yearly basis. Yeah. You can, I think it's just having Kawhi Leonard there. I mean, knowing that you have a top three basketball player in the world on your team provides you a certain confidence that we can just lean back on Kawhi if I mess up. Uh, when right. before with DeMar DeRozan, they would just look at each other like, do you want to play? Like, no, I don't want to play. Do you want to play? So instead of them looking at each other dumbfounded and confused by the entire situation, Kawhi Leonard is, is the calm, cool, collected, silent killer um, that can be trusted. And I think it's affected the rest of that team to get over their woes. Yeah, I 100% agree, though. And I think Kawhi made a huge difference. Uh we're not going to get into predictions, so I'm not going to ask if you think he's going to stay because you're not a predictions guy. Um, I think this is my last one then that I got here. Do you have any funny on-air stories of Lawrence Holmes that you can share with us that you both just looked at each other, whether it was a blooper or something funny that happened on accident that just sticks in your brain? And one of those things that you would look you almost look back on as one of the funniest most enjoyable on-air like times that you had because it was just like kind of this accident that happened but you know you guys played it off and maybe no one else knew about it um it's a bunch of it's a bunch of those um we 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 play off a bit that i don't know much outside of my current timeline we play off that bit a lot uh there's been a, a couple funny things that has happened uh, out of out of that uh, i think Actually, what happened most recently, actually, uh, yesterday, um, where, uh, if, I don't know if you guys were listening, but we had uh, UFC champion Henry Cejudo. Uh, he was on with us, and it was not a good interview. <laughs> it was it was about as worst of an interview uh, that I ever heard. And no fault of Lawrence. I mean, he tried to pull, you know, out of it. I mean, Lawrence is a professional, so he, I mean, he's been around athletes, so he knows what he's doing. Um, and he tried to take the interview different ways, but Henry was not giving us anything. So like eight minutes in an interview, <laughs> Lawrence just shut it down. And uh, afterwards, 
we kind of discussed on there, kind of had a programming discussion with the, let the audience kind of see what kind of goes on behind the scenes uh, on the show. And we just kind of just said, man, that was awful. And he was awful. <laughs> um, and that didn't go unnoticed by the UFC. They were pretty upset with us after they heard our segment. So we'll see if we get any more UFC people uh, on 670 to score. Um, yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, we we can totally relate to that. You know, we've had interviews that have just not gone how we thought was going to at all. Hundred <laughs> percent. So, and you work the angles right, but you know, at some point you got to pull the plug just because it, it it's yeah. not anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our 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 first loyalty and our first concern concern is to the audience first. Right. It's not with relationships or with the guests. Our loyalty is for the audience. So whatever makes the audience happy and entertained is what we have to do first. And the only way to salvage that interview was to rip it. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure the audience got a good laugh out of it. We certainly did. Uh, but, yeah, it didn't do us any favors with the UFC. But, hey, that's the if you're not making anybody mad, you know, are you doing a good job? I mean, yeah, it's a what can you do situation. One hundred percent. All right, Tony, this has been great. This is a very fun interview. Thank you for taking the time to sit in section three one two. We would love to have you back on in the future. But this is this is great. We uh good luck on six seventy the score. Keep doing what you're doing and we hope to talk to you soon. Hey, hey, thanks guys. Yeah, make sure you check out No Zones and uh, my uh, sports documentary podcast with Julie DeCaro called Behind the Headlines. Um we just got done with season one, the murder of James Jordan. So uh, that's Michael Jordan's dad, for anybody that doesn't know. Um, that was a huge case, and nobody really discussed it in detail. And uh, we did in a very entertaining way. Uh, it got picked up for another season and did so well. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, just search uh, the scores behind the headlines, um, and it's all there for you. We're working on season two, um, and I'll give you guys a sneak peek into what we're going into season two. Uh, we're going to be discussing the murder of um, Bison Daly. Uh, O'Brien Williams. He was a former Bull, former NBA player. Um, he was found murdered. Uh, well, I, actually, I don't even know if he was found. Um, he's been assumed, presumed murdered. So we're going to get into that story uh, for season two. So make sure you guys look out for that. You guys heard it here first. Uh, I, we haven't told that to anybody. So there you guys go. There's your uh, sneak peek. Oh, <laughs> I'm a sucker for documentaries. I will definitely go check it out. Everyone else should too. Thank you so much, Tony. We really appreciate this. This was a lot of fun. No problem. Anytime. Just reach out. Uh, I'll work something out, guys. All awesome. right. Take Thanks. care, Tony. All right. You guys have heard my ad reads. These guys are the best around. They're bringing the karaoke to you. You don't go to them. They come to you. That's how you got to have it in life. They bring it to your birthday parties, the family gatherings, your block parties, a night of friends. If you want to do something fun on the weekends, get, get a little weird with it, have Karaoke Adventure bring everything to you. The PA, the mics, TV, lighting. These guys have been doing it for 30 years. We know them well. Quentin's jamming out to an imaginary karaoke song in his head. I can see him mouthing some of the words. I'm not quite sure what it is. I think it's Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. They got everything for a singing good time. Eric St. Michael's, he's close with the show. He's a good dude. Give him a call today, 773-732-6597 to schedule an appointment with him. Have him come to your event. Follow him on Facebook. You can see some fun videos of the people enjoying karaoke adventure as much as I claim that they do. 
give them a look. Karaoke Adventure on Facebook. Check them out today. Serving the Chicago land area. These dudes rock. You know, I was thinking about a couple. You asked me a couple weeks ago what my other go-to karaoke song would be. And I finally got my answer. Okay. It would be Roxanne. You wanna you wanna uh, sample? Give give us a little sample. Roxanne, you know wow, I, you, you you hit the high C. You I hit can, it really well. I'm trying to be quiet, you know, because you know, Grandpa's in the other room. He's sleeping. Not trying to wake up him. I got Bella right here. Miss Jingle Jangles will fart and clear out the room. So, but Roxanne, Roxanne would be a good one. And um, I had another one too. LaGrange by ZZ Top. All-time boozing song. I think it was a horse with no name. I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. It felt good to get out of the rain. Jesus Christ. It's in San Andreas. (laughs) (laughs) If it's in GTA, you know it's a jam. Let's get some segments, man. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So, you already mentioned Ball Guy the Week being the Bald Eagle. I like that, but the co-bald guy slash. <laughs> what was it? How did it go? <laughs> Were there the Eagles from Sunny in Philadelphia putting on the wrestling match and they come out in the feathers? Oh God! I you know what sing the song. <laughs> I know. I know what you're talking about. I can't think of the lyrics to it right now. Yeah. We'll have to find it. Maybe try and get it on the social media page. Um, my bald guy of the week is. Faces. Quinn's looking at me. Let, let me explain here for you. Let, let me explain here for you. Hockey beards have been in. It's playoff beard season. Playoff beards have been going nuts. Stanley Cup's over. It's about time all those bald, bald faces decide they want to come out now. We're going to see some shaving. It's shaving season. Bald guy of the week has to be hockey faces. It, 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 playoff beards are over. You got to put them to rest until next June. So, time to shave. Keep cool for the summer. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. It doesn't just make sense. It fucking hits. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's wrap things up because we're just derailing ourselves here. It's time. I've been eagerly awaiting it. We're taking it back in the time machine. 10 to 20 years. Going to the 2000s. We got to go to the things that we miss. We grew up in the 2000s, right? Like like the tw- the late 20 and early 30-year-olds 90s is to uh, is to them what the 2000s is to us. So I was thinking the other day, man, there's so many things from the 2000s that would be funny as hell if they stuck around, but they're just not here anymore. You know, be it time has passed them by, they've outlived their stay. So I wanted to bring it back old school to the things that we miss are nostalgic about things we wish hadn't died in the 2000s be it ironically or truthfully so let's get into the starting five things we miss from the 2000s quentin i'll let you do the honors with the inaugural coin flip do you want heads or tails tails baby give me them tails flip a coin it's heads i want number two okay okay you want the back-to-back I do. 
That's fair. That means you got two good ones that you don't think I'm going to get. That's fair. Okay. Number one. Flat brim hats. Fitted flat brim hats. They're still around, but they've been fading away. They reach their peak in the 2000s. There's nothing like a baseball hat. The fitted ones, the real new eras, those things are dope. And frankly, as a as a bald man myself, it covers up my little patch up front that I can't get away with with the snapbacks or the dad hats now. So I I personally wish, and this was what inspired my idea of this starting five, that the flat brim hats came back or had never left. You know, that's a good one because I do think that's when it really started. Um, for my first pick, though, I'm going to take you all back to a time when there was no streaming. There was no Netflix where you actually had to go to a video villa or a family video or a yeah. blockbuster and rent a DVD. Not the fact, you know, that you had to go find a movie with Bay, but the principle of it gives you something to go do, you know, something to take up time to go do with somebody else, you know. So going to a blockbuster, even going to the Red Box, you know, I, I like going to the Red Box more than streaming on Netflix because I get to actually go do something. Oh yeah, one hundred percent agree. I'm big. I'm big on the uh, the blockbuster thing. I actually had that on my list too. I uh, yeah, there's nostalgic, and they had the games. You could always rent games, which you can't do now. So like, if I wanted to just play a game for like a couple of days or like a week, just grind through it and beat it, you could for like five dollars. Now I have to go to GameStop and buy it and sell it back for like thirty cents, even though it was sixty dollars when I bought it two days ago. You're cutting in and out pretty bad. Um, okay, for my second pick, I am going to go with throwback jerseys. I feel like everybody nowadays is either wearing a LeBron or a Westbrook or a Paul George or a mainstream player, but nobody is really wearing the throwback neon-colored Hakeem Olajuwon or the vintage Raptor Rake or Vince Carter jersey, and that was big when we were growing up. They're still big, but I, I agree that, that they faded a bit. Um, okay. Those are good ones. This one is right in the childhood for anyone that's in the early to mid 20s right now. Skip it slash all driveway toys. I'm talking razor scooters, green machines, and skip it. All driveway toys. You'd play them in the neighborhood. You don't see kids doing that nowadays. They just have iPads, which is dumb as hell. Dude, green machines were my shit, dude. I could sit on that fucking thing and just ride around forever. But my mom never let me have one. She'd always say it was too dangerous. So I'd have to go over to my buddy Tyler's house and ride his. <laughs> you could just rip it. You could just whip around the neighborhood in, in a green machine. And I could never rip stick, though. Oh, I could rip stick. It was, I couldn't skateboard. I could rip stick. All right. My next one is literally any kind of rubber bracelet so zoomies i love boobies all of those were just hits back in the day those are those are classics right there see i had the live strong bracelets everybody had those live strong bracelets everybody 
I'm also going to throw fightings into that too because those were equally popular. Yes, yes. I mean, my I okay. I never, I never did. But my friends would always go to Dicks and like steal them. <laughs> oh yeah, man. The, do the fightings? Hey, man, they give you balance, bro. That's that's, <laughs> that's what they told everybody is that they give you balance, so everybody would fucking go buy these things. Talk about uh, a marketing scheme. Dudes yeah. were geniuses. So yeah, like any kind of like bracelet slash I guess we'll call fighting necklaces and that. I, I rocked one. Mine was a uh, silver and gray. It was pretty fucking sexy if I may say so myself. I think I still have my Tampa Bay Rays one. Oh shit, you gotta bring it out. Buck the trend. I think I do. I think it's up there somewhere. Anyway, um, so for my third pick, I'm going to go with Gogurts. Ooh, that's a good because one. That's on my list. I liked yogurts, or I didn't really like yogurts, but I liked Gogurts. Maybe yep. because it was so smooth and so easy to eat. No spoon, no nothing. It was on the go, and it was girt. You, you have to freeze them? Yes, yes. The frozen ones were great. Yes. Yeah, you had to you had to freeze them. Only only real G's know. Yeah, the frozen gogurts are awesome. So that would be my third pick would be the gogurts. My fourth pick would have to be the scholastic book fairs. You know when you're at school and the book fair would come into your school and your whole class would like take an adventure out of your class to go down to the book fair and look at all the books but they really you really wanted to go check out like the badass pencils and erasers and shit that they had you know what i'm talking about yeah or you'd buy like a guinness book of world records for like 45 dollars yeah mom gives you 50 bucks says here go buy a book and you go buy a fucking world record book or a magazine that you looked at like three times and then like you all, but like the kid who bought it was the coolest kid in the class because like they had, they had look, a, yeah everybody would look through that that guinness that the newest guinness book of world records it was awesome those have to be dead right because there's just the internet yeah i don't even know if they have those that's what i'm saying man the book fairs were the shit the encyclopedia of our time growing up the guinness book of world records um, I can tell you what the longest fingernails were back in 2006. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, all right. Mine is, uh, all right. So these are my last two. All right. I'm gonna go with Ed Hardy t-shirts because Ed Hardy t-shirts had a very small peak, uh, for like $400 for a cotton t-shirt with a graphic on it. And those were just the coolest things ever. I think it was a little bit like older than we were that were like it was super popular with, but like Ed Hardy tees were like in back in the day. Yeah, I never owned one, but neither did I. Um, all right, the last one. I'm gonna bring it. Actually, I'll save that for honorable mentions. No, I'm gonna do it. Big sleeve NFL jerseys before they got tight and compressed. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like the Peyton Manning, like the big sleeves. Like we're talking like baggy sleeves down to the elbows. Go. If you go look at like a 2000s NFL jersey when like Reebok was making them, they weren't fitted. Those fuckers were uh, they, they were literally like wearing a quadruple XL T-shirt. Yeah, I know. I remember now. Yeah, like you, it's you don't remember like pre Nike jerseys. I have a good one for my fifth one. 
but I want to. Uh, I don't know which one I want to use. Okay, for my fifth one, I'm gonna go Crazy Frog. Explain. Where's the Crazy Frog now? You know the dun 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 like that song would be everywhere, right? And that the hamster song, I think it was by the Crazy Frog people too. It's like that song, you know, the the hamsters with like the Kia commercials. Yeah, all of the kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Kia commercials. Yes, animal animal music. Period. Yes, animal music. All right. Now before. We jump into this. I have a propositional transition. It is no longer called honorable mentions. It being the starting five, after the starting five, you go to your bench. So these are your bench players. Okay. I like that. All right. I'm going to go. One is cargo shorts. Two is LimeWire or any sort of um, downloadable music service. And the last one I had was uh, creepy robotic voices, like the You Got Mail AOL. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, for my bench, I have Neopets. I also have Tamagotchis. Ooh, I was thinking Tamagotchis. And Dane Cook. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I feel like Dane Cook, since he's actually back now, would like be very pissed to hear that you say he, we miss him from the 2000s because he's doing his own thing. But yes, I Dane Cook peaked in the 2000s, 100%. <laughs> so those are my bench players. And I believe that wraps up our starting five. Oh, let me throw in a uh, bad animation. Like, because the Lion King, the new Lion King is, is creepy, right? Like these and like Aladdin. Creepy. Dude, Pumbaa looks gross. Dude, all, all the animals look fucking weird. Let's let's throw it back to like old school. Dude, Pumbaa looks like he's made of pubes. <laughs> oh, you know what? <laughs> Isn't Seth Rogen Pumbaa too? So I feel like that's kind of fitting. Oh my god. Anyway, that wraps up the show, guys. You guys can go check us out at section312.com. We finally launched the website. We have merchandise available now until Sunday for 15% off. Stuff has been flying off of the virtual shelves. Go buy some merch. Uh, we got t-shirts for men, women. We have flat bills, coffee mugs, stats hats, bags, phone cases. Go check it out, section312.com. Go follow us on Twitter at O Section 312, on Instagram at Official Section 312, Facebook at Section 312 Official. You know, I don't know who made all these, you know, handles, but, you know, they go with the show. You you know, we're not supposed to say that. But be sure to go follow and like our network as well. We are an affiliate of the Midwest Sports Network. Go follow them at MWSN Sports and go to their website, MWSN Sports mwsn.net where you can find our podcast and a bunch of other podcasts on their podcast archives we are on apple podcast section 312 where you guys can can continue to listen to all of our episodes and follow along with our weekly episodes that drop typically on thursdays that's our show and until next time let's go basketball because we want game seven on sunday let's go basketball we're just cheering for more sports 
basketball. That'd be a good karaoke. Be a really good karaoke song. <laughs> Someone photoshops up Rogan's face on Pumba, like a real face on the on the animated Pumba. Yeah, Pubie Pumba. We're out. All right, bye guys. Mm-hmm.